It's been 882 days since our first episode and we've seen some memorable moments on the pitch, farewelled some legends, celebrated a couple of trophies and gone through the highs and lows of being Raw fans, but here we are celebrating a momentous occasion, the 100th episode of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James here making my 98th appearance, joined by our resident travel expert Adam, whose total is on 87-ish, while our ever-present Scott is also celebrating his 100th show. So guys... Welcome to what is actually a new studio for us as well, and uh, welcome to the hundred show. Yes, fantastic studio number four is it? Counting a couple of the um, counting Adam's living room. <laughs> Very temporary Temp- that one. Yeah, yeah semi semi regular mm. studio number four, and I'll try not to blow this one up like I accidentally did the uh, switch studios. <laughs> oh, good news mem- is that was all good. Oh, memories that that uh, that place. Fun times, fun yeah. times for sure. Yes, that's right. So we've packed up and we're slowly in the process of getting this all set up. But uh, right now we're doing this with A-League quality benches. Absolutely we are. Early days A-League quality benches, that is. That's all you need, A-League quality Bunnings chairs. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to see what we can uh, do with that. And as it so happens, uh, we should probably start off with contact information. We've got email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that to Brisbane Football Review. It's still a very long story. Twitter is at BNE Football, and we don't have Instagram or Snapchat because Snapchat scares me, and no one wants to see us on camera a whole lot. No. And 100% also, on that. <laughs> and also, uh, what else have we got? We've podcast, iTunes, Wooshka, uh, Spotify, they're the big three, and then we've also got Radio Public and a couple of others as well. Feel free to leave a rating and or review preferably telling us how much you love us and congratulating us for making it through 100 episodes without really screaming at each other once. So I think that's actually quite something to be proud of. And and not not a swear word between us anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Angela. (laughs) And uh, Cameron Crestani as well. Although I still think we can forgive Crestani for that one. Didn't one of the Brisbane City players swear in his post-match interview? I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I'm pretty sure I actually edited that one out. Okay. Anyway, got away with it. Yes. Now we're actually going to start off with some breaking news that came out all of eleven minutes ago, you know, through a media release from the Brisbane Raw, where they've announced that Ellie Babal is signed as an injury replacement player for the team. Absolutely. I mean, he's been training for the last couple of weeks with the Raw, and they can certainly use some reinforcements with six players out injured for the rest of the season. So adding to the depth of the squad is probably a good thing, and gives gives Darren Davis a chance to have a look at him in match context, as opposed to just training as. If they're looking at him for next season, it gives them a chance to see him in, in action. I think it's a, it's a low-risk move, really. I think at the end of the day, you know, if, if Eli Babal is anywhere near the play he was, you know, maybe four or five years ago, it's going to be a great signing. And if not, you know what, the season is sort of, it's it's a non-event, really. So, in the end of the day, Babal's playing for potentially a future contract. You know, they, they yeah. describe it as a lifeline for him. And you know what, and... And so I guess in the end of the day, there's no real you know yeah. risk in signing him. And you know, like I said, we're a bit threadbare yeah. up front. You know, who knows? He joins um, Locker Lingoy in that battle now to fill the shoes of Adam Taggart for the rest of the season. One of them may very well be around next year. We'll have to wait and see. Yes, and in the quotes distributed by the club, uh, this is from Ellie Babal. I've really enjoyed training with the group. Everyone has been welcoming, and I'm looking forward to contributing to the team. I'm looking forward to playing 
uh, back in my home country in a league I know well and playing for the Brisbane Roar. Now, I've got to be honest, I'm a little bit on the fence about this. I feel like, you know, you've got Dylan Wenzel Halls, you yeah. signed Charles Lockerlingoy for a little while uh, a little while ago as well, so yeah. is it really worth bringing well, in another striker? Well, Davies has been playing a somewhat of a 4-4-2 in recent weeks with Enrique partnering Wenzel Halls, and this kind of gives you that big and small kind of option with Bale's height and Wenzel Hall's speed. It's a combination that works pretty well around the world, so that might be something they're looking at, but I think if they're going to play that way at least till the end of the season, having that extra option up there as opposed to a makeshift strike like Enrique might be a good thing. Also, that's why I question how match fit Ali Babal is at, yeah. this, at this very moment. It might be a couple of games, a couple more fixtures before we actually sort of see him you know, in full flight. Now, I don't think he's played since playing the um, Indian Super League. Um, that, I think that wrapped up uh, a few months ago, I think. So, so, so yeah, so I, I wouldn't. I think he might not be a factor right now, but you now I think there's a run to the end of the season. I'm, I'm sure that he'll get some time. Yeah, definitely. And... Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see. As you said, it's a low-risk move. Like, I'm not a fan of it, but I also can't really get too worked up about it. I'm not going to go throw a tantrum. At this point, injury replacement players, you might as well try them. Yeah. See what you can find. You might find a diamond in the rough who can help you next year. Well, one of those players that actually could be... We'll keep going with uh, this sort of story about trials and contracts right now and just run with that. Uh, Bentley uh, Green's left-back, Jacob Alexander, he's also been on trial with the club lately. That was... Uh, confirmed in a couple of stories, first by Marco Monteverde and then uh, Ed Jackson from yeah. AAP. I thought he might have been a more more of a fit for the Raw, given the fact that they have got three fullbacks out injured with Hingott, O'Toole and Dane Ingham now, all confirmed out for the season. There's a, probably a need for a, a fullback. I know Isaac Powell stepped up and done really well, but there's probably a need for an additional option there. I thought he might have been the more logical one, but he might very well end up signing as well. I'll have to wait and see. And also, you don't know how many days Isaac Powell can take off from That's school, so... <laughs> But yeah, speaking of Isaac Powell, he's actually signed on as a scholarship player for the 2019-2020 season. And let's hear what uh, Royal Coach, Interim Coach, Darren Davies had to say about Isaac Powell. Um, obviously announcing that Isaac signed on for next year, mate. Um, good boost for him and I guess uh, promising for the club. Yeah, very positive. Um, you know, and he's probably in a position, he was thrust into a position that, that nobody probably expected uh, uh, that he would be. But obviously with the amount of injuries we've got, um, you know, we're down to, to the bare bones really defensively and uh, he's come in and he's been fantastic and uh, you know, for, a young, for a young man, you know, 16 just turned 17, uh, he's been great so that's a, that's a reward for his uh, positive performances. So that was Darren Davies there talking about Isaac Powell signing on and looks a little bit more competition for Conor O'Toole next season as well and the fact that he's signed on as a scholarship player as well, that's got to be, I suppose, you know, good for the Raw as well because I think that means he won't count under the a-League squad restriction. I think there's an additional six reduced scholarship players to, in addition to the 23. And it is actually a good thing because as well as, well as Conor O'Toole has played in the last year and a half, we don't know how he's going to come back from this broken leg injury. So it might take him a while. So having competition for that place could help him get back quicker. So it could be a good thing all around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the other thing we've seen with Conor O'Toole as well. He's a young player. He, you know, nice guy when we've interviewed yep. him, but he has had some inconsistencies. And you know, it means he can sort of play the hot hand with those yep. two if they're both in the plans going forward. Look, I think as well, you got to remember with Isaac Powell as well, is that you now he is, he is, you know, barely turned 17. So this is probably, it's a good signing because I think, you know, it's it's a safe bet because, you know, at least then he can go back. He's got plenty of years left, you know, in, in youth football, but, you know, I don't think you'd see him in NPL now, but uh, certainly in uh, youth league and especially we don't know what the future holds as far as, you know, Expanded competitions or whatever, so so I think I think it's a more of a project player. I don't, I don't think 
look, I'd be astonished if we see him start every week next season, or even you know get more than you know, a handful of games. But you know, I think it's a good sign, it's a good investment for the future at least. The important thing for him now is to build up his strength and stamina to be able to play out 90 minutes. I've seen Darren Davies in the past talk about how he's not 100% convinced about him playing 90 minutes at the A-League level. That's the next step for him. Well, uh, Adam and I were talking before you arrived, Scott, about how, you know, it's just great seeing how fearless he is as well. He just says, no, nah, screw it, I'm going to go into that challenge. I don't, like, he, he doesn't know any better and that's worked out really, really well for I him. I think so they'll, they'll work for a certain time, but I think at some point they'll catch up with him eventually. So I think, you know, strike while it's hot and I think this is the rest of the season is a perfect opportunity, but then put him away and let him develop as a player. That's it. All right, now we're going to roll through a new segment. We're kind of changing this on the fly right now, but keep going with another story that uh, generated a little bit of deba- debate over the past week, and that was Greg O'Rourke telling uh, the Raw to look for a boutique home venue, uh, saying if they can play one or two home matches at smaller stadiums, it's shown that it's good for the A-League. So, look, it, it wouldn't be the Brisbane Football Review you know, without a discussion on stadiums once every five to ten episodes. So this is, of course, just a short-term thing because we still don't know exactly how the competition is going to be structured next year, but if they're going to have an odd number of uh, games for every yeah. club... then it's you... going to be 13 home games in a 26-round season. Okay, well, never mind, because under, anyway. under the current structure, obviously, you'd have 14 home games one year, 13 the next. So, you know, let people whinge and moan about cancelling membership and whatnot. But... What I wanted to talk about was we've all said that we're big fans of, you know, one-off games at Dolphin Stadium, especially over the summer holidays where you can actually get out there while there's still quite a bit of light out there, make a day of it. Would Dolphin Stadium be the best option, Scott? I think it probably would be. If you time it right, if you have it on the right... So you have it, say, Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff. It's perfect time for people to get down up the motorway. It's, it is a fair drive, but it's convenient along the motorway. So it's not that bad. Now, I do think if you do it right, you'll... You could feel that, and we have seen in the past this season games at Leichhardt Oval, Cogra, um, Highmarsh and Adelaide, even the Perth Stadium. When you get those sort of stadiums with some crowds in there, the atmosphere is much better. I think that's what Greg O'Rourke's pointing out. I think Dolphins is probably the best bet in Queensland because as you think about Rubina down the Gold Coast, that's still a 27,000-seat stadium. You're not going to get enough people there to make that work. So I would say Dolphins Stadium is probably the best bet. I think you've got to look also as well some of the perhaps some of the lower drawing teams like, you know, um, Warrington Phoenix or, you know, Central Coast Mariners. Even so Newcastle. Get, even, yeah, even Newcastle is probably one that comes to mind where we don't traditionally get, you know, strong crowds. But then again, you know, would a, you know, would having a full, full gender capacity um, Dolphin Stadium be good for, for one of the marquee matchups like, you know, a Sydney FC or a... Um, or a Melbourne victory. Yeah, like it's 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 one of those things where I think you're always going to get some resistance because I think the beauty of Suncorp Stadium is that it's central to everyone. Yeah. Um, but at the end, I think also people understand that you know the, the atmosphere um, does 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 struggle because it is such a cavernous stadium. So, look, I think I think it's a good idea that the Raw should be sort of looking. But I think. Uh, for the moment, Suncorp is the home. I don't think there's no question about that whether we yeah. like it or not. Um, I think there's more at play. But look, I think Dolphins Stadium, even a, a redeveloped you know, Lions Stadium, if that if they were to do some you know, major works there, that could even come to play. But I think Dolphin right now, if we're talking about the next season, would be the option. I don't know if Dolphins all that practical, Scott. I wouldn't be. Pl- uh, not Dolphins Lions. Sorry, oh, I'm. Yeah. yeah. All good. I wouldn't be taking a Sydney FC or Melbourne Victory game up to Dolphin because those tend to get 11, 12, 13,000 people, and you don't want to limit the the potential crowds for those bigger games to cap it at 10 or whatever it is that Dolphin holds. If we take some of the other games that are somewhere just less than 10,000 at Sunk, if we take one of those up to Dolphin, 
and you really market it and you promote it and make an event of it, I think you could get a good result out of it. I think Western United might be might be a good option because we just, we just don't know what's yeah. that sort of draw. You now the the uh, new expansion team. Kind of on those lines, I was actually thinking if you're going to take a game, just one, take the home game against uh, take a home game against one of those middling teams. So you don't like one of the reasons that they struggled with uh, Welling with Wellington yeah. down on the Rabina a couple of years ago. You've obviously. Oh, I've also got breaking news from the Matildas game, Adam. Ah, uh, yep. Matildas are up two 0 now. Yeah. So right at the thirty-third minute. In case you're wondering when in the week we record this, <laughs> yes. it's usually around about five o'clock <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon. So this is obviously clashing with the Matildas Cup of Nations tournament. So Adam, Scott and I'll talk. Uh, if you have an update to post. Yep, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Scott and I'll keep talking. Yep, keep going. My idea would be take one of those middling teams like Adelaide or, yep. you know, maybe a Western Sydney. Yep. A side that can still draw, but. Like the Rabina game against Wellington, it doesn't help that it was yeah. against the least interesting team in the A League. That's absolutely right. So you're looking for—I think there's only a couple of teams that the Raw will play at home twice. So you're looking for a team that has some drawing power, but is also one of those teams that there's at times it's one of those not the most glamorous options, but they still have a drawing power if it's a one-off event up in regular. So I think something like Adelaide, even Perth, might work quite well for that. Well, also you could, uh, if you know, form holds with Adelaide, you could have the Rumble at Redcliffe. That works very well. All right. Now, while Adam's posting that update, we're going to take a little break and come back and talk about the Matildas games that have been played already. So we'll be back right off. This is the Brisbane Football Review 100th episode. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review 100th episode. It's James Scott and Adam here in our brand new studio, which is not quite as scenic. Uh, doesn't quite have that scenic view of uh, our old Cooperoo studio, but I'm still happy with this one. The backdrop of Carindale is not too bad, actually, to be fair. I can see a mobile tower. Oh, that's I good. Can, that... I can see the main road down near Carindale if it helps, but yeah. I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> <laughs> Dated reference, but it still works. Yeah. Alright, let's get into what was originally going to be our segment one before the Ellie Babal news actually kind of threw us off that, and let's talk about the Matildas and the Cup of Nations. So, uh, as we record, there have been two games completed and one about half uh, done. Yeah, we're about, we're 40th minute, just ticked over. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the games that have already been played. Started off Thursday night against New Zealand, and, oh boy, they really started off uh, quite roughly, and then... Yeah. They eventually found a way to bounce back through goals uh, from Emily Gilnick and Hayley Rasso. Boy, was it good to see her score, by the way. It was fantastic to see her score, and you're right. The start was it was rough because they were very much being, being really coached heavily by Ante Milicic, I would say, in terms of him really trying to get across the way he wants them to play. And it took a while because there used to be a fair bit of freedom given to the players in the front third, and he wanted them to stay high and wide, and it was, it was problematic for a while. But once they got used to it, it they were it just... They ran over the top of New Zealand, particularly in the second half. One player who I thought kind of grew into the game a little bit was Ellie Carpenter playing at right back. I thought there were a whole lot of missed passes early on, but then eventually she did start to settle down. Yeah, no, uh, Ellie Carpenter, like, she's very she's very diminutive as a player. Like, she's, it's, um, she can be either really good or sometimes will struggle. And um, I think, I think you know, over, I know we'll talk about it in the second game, but I think in the balance of two games, I think she showed that she's probably the, the number one right back going into, um, going into sort of the USA friendly and the, and the World Cup. All right, well, speaking of that second game, this is the one that uh, I think everyone in Brisbane was excited about. 4-1 win over Korea, and... The one thing I kind of learned from that, because obviously I've moved house over the weekend, but we made sure we had Foxtel set up already, so I was able to watch this, even if 
still working on the internet connection. Um, yeah, uh, three first half goals from the Matildas, and it really showed that women's sport, ha- well, women's international football has arrived in Australia because the second half of this glorified friendly was incredibly flat <laughs> as the changes started to ring through. It was, but the crowd got what they paid for within about five minutes when Sam Kerr slowed away the penalty. I think that's what a lot of people turned up to see, so they were pretty happy after that, to be fair, and she scored another goal after that, just before half-time, so... Yeah, and it was a game that you you kind of expected the Matildas to win as well, all of these games, in fact. Yeah, look, that's the thing we said, we said on the last week's show, that, you know, if, if they had have struggled in this tournament... Um, you would have raised some serious questions about a, you know, whether the change the change from Stadich to uh, Milchich was the right one, and, and also as well, you'd fear for their chances, you know, going to going to France. But look, they've, they've done they've done the required uh, work, and look, obviously, while recording of the the game against Argentina is going on, um, but look, that's almost a dead, that's almost a dead rubber on that. So the coronation yeah. against Argentina, is, they were I think a it's lot better, better. They were a lot better against Korea Republic as well, in all honesty, because. The front third combined so well with Devanna and and um, Sam Kerr in particular, and Haley Razo on the right. The three that has such pace and in transition they just created havoc for South Korea, and that's that's where basically where a lot of the goals came from, along with the chances. It was if that's what they're going to be able to do, they're going to get those players with that sort of pace running it, running it open defences. I can only see good things coming from this. I think also as well you got to be very very high on the form of Emily Gilnick. You know, yeah. scored in both games, because um, the, the, I think the uh, while in that front third, that, that front third of the Matildas, it's like Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford. They're, your, they're two of your three. They're, they're, they're your locks. Yep. But there's going to be competition places for that final spot in the front third. And I think Emily Gillink may have got ahead of um, Lisa Devanna and a few others, yep. I think, based on her form you know, in this Cup of Nations tournament. And in the W League as well. Now, what we're going to do is hear from uh, Ante Milicic. Scott, uh, can you tell us what he says here? Yeah, so he's talking. About, he starts off talking about the attacking depth, including along with Emily Gillick, and then he goes into talking about the defence. Uh, how important do you think it is uh, coming to France to have a six-foot-plus uh, player in your front line? That can play on the left and on the right. Huh? She's um, very good when she, she can get in those positions and face forward and be direct. Left and right foot, um, very, very strong. Capable to take players on as well, one one v one, and uh, you know we've got a lot of quality in that front third. So again, when you look at uh, you know Haley in the first game, you look at Devanna scoring tonight, Sammy as well, Gilnick. Uh, there's 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 a lot there. Princess who's, who's been injured as well, she came on as well, and she got a taste. Um, she'll get more minutes against Argentina. So competition is healthy, and and to go far into a tournament, that's what you need. Um, you know, I said to the girls at the start. Uh, the only guarantee that everyone has is, is this camp, so everyone's really um, you know focused on, on putting in a good performance, and, and I'm delighted for for Gilnick, especially tonight, being a girl from Brisbane. Now, uh, yeah, she she really enjoyed that goal. Yeah, well, it's it's good that you you said that because. We always talk about the attacking quality that we have and, and, and how we want to play our football, but there should never be an emphasis on on you know that box than the one that we defend as well. You know, both 18-yard box are important, and uh, you know, I said at halftime the main thing is, is we, we don't concede, we keep a clean sheet um, because that's an area that we we want to work on, and we have spent a bit of time on that. But moving forward, 
Um, you know, we've still got Alana to come back who didn't play tonight. I thought Laura did a fantastic job as well. You know, uh, Claire had to play two in a row, so did um, Ellie. Ellie doesn't stop on the on the right. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when the game was secured towards the end that she might choose her moments to, to stay back a little bit, but she just kept on wanting to go forward. So, look, there's a, there's a lot of work still to do in our defensive shape, and, and even tonight, the we were very vulnerable, I felt, in the transition phase. So when we had the ball, when we turned it over, and that had a little bit to do with our decision-making, and at times I thought the build-up was a little bit slow, but when we turned over the ball, just our shape and our distances, but we'll, we'll work on that. Um, you know, sometimes maybe I'm a little bit hard on, hard on myself and, and, and the girls thinking, you know, we, we should be at that stage where we know it by, by now. But when I look at how much we've been together, the, the girls have been fantastic. And I know that with the preparation we've got from now moving forward, we, we've got enough time to, to work on all those aspects. All right, so that was uh, Ante Milicic there talking about the attacking depth and just his general thoughts on the game. And, um, yeah, I suppose, look, being the Brisbane Football Review, we do want to focus on a couple of the local products that featured in this game as well, starting with Claire Polkinghorne. Now, she had the chance to pull on the captain's armband uh, as Sam Kerr came off for a substitution as well. So that would have been a good moment for her. Absolutely. Talk about a player who's been the quintessential Brisbane or W League player since day one. And I know that she's played in Brisbane for the Matildas, but to play at Suncorp for the first time for the national team and then captain the side, you're right, I mean... It must have been a fantastic feeling. Yeah, I think it's just reward. Yeah, look, I think um, the I think the, the biggest striking thing is that you know it's been five years nearly since since we've had an international a women's international up here, and the difference between you know what it was back against Brazil back in 2014 now, like there was maybe barely 500 people at Cusack that day. You had ten and a half thousand, and it was a very raucous, loud ten and a half thousand as well. So. Look, women's football is really tracking in the right direction. I still was more than that. Sitting there at halftime, I thought, is this going to be the record crowd for the Matildas in Australia? Because the whole is it going to be what the Reds had yeah. the night before? Because the eastern side looked really full, and like we couldn't see the um, western stand. But based well, on how full the yeah. eastern stand was, I thought there was going to be a massive crowd. But I had actually heard a couple of things uh, during the weekend about some seats being reassigned okay. uh, over the weekend. So I don't know. But uh, why don't we hear from Claire Polkinghorne after the game? How do you find that playing play plenty of games here for a while to get to walk out there for the national team? How do you find that? Yeah, it's always special to, to play uh, not only in Australia but your hometown. And um, you know, we got a, a really good crowd out there tonight, and it's yeah, really nice to play in Brisbane. And a really good win as well. Two out of two on the last game. Just had to find the game. Yeah, I think um, it was scrappy at times. We gave a lot of ball away, um, but to score four goals against uh, a very good South Korean team um, is, is really pleasing for us. And your own form as well, you thought you played pretty well? Or? Um, yeah, there was yeah, times where I gave the ball away a little bit too easy, but um, you know, that's it's going to happen when you want to play possession-based football. So it's a lot for us to work on, and um, yeah, we'll just yeah, look to recover and, and go again on Wednesday. A lot to work on, so World Cup time for me. Look, looking ahead to that now, or it's still one game at a time? Yeah, we're, we're working towards the, the first game uh, against Italy. That's the, the, what's in our sights at the moment, and you know, there's, there's not long until first game so we've got a lot of work to do um, but I think we've made a pretty good start. It's baby steps I guess under Milicic adding little bits in time what do you what do you want to see in, against Argentina? Yeah I think we've, we've got to back up again um, you know in tournament before you've got to back up game after game and, and it's going to be important that um, we do that on Wednesday and um, you know 
Ante's rotated the squad a little bit, so we'll have fresh legs as well on, on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, just looking to, to, I guess, bounce back and, and put in another good performance. So that was obviously a very happy Claire Polkinghorn after playing in front of her home crowd, and she's actually been uh, making a bit of the rounds right now in a video circulated by the Raw Corps where she surprised a young fan. Well, it's actually gone more than just a Raw Corps, actually. Is, um, well, they, they, they was a plate on Bill and Boz, you know, on last night. So it's really done the rounds, and it just really shows, like, um, you know, what a role model that Claire Polkinghorn is. And that, that it, like, I, I'm man now. Man enough to admit that, you know, even I nearly shed a tear watching that, because that was just, it was just awesome stuff. I think that just encapsulates, yeah. I guess, the Australian women's football revolution at the moment. It's also a time in mind of what sport is and what it can be for young young people growing up with, hot, with heroes and idols. When you meet them, it can be highly emotional, as we saw in that video. It was fantastic stuff. Uh, I, yeah, no, that was, that was a really, really cool thing to see. So, well done to them for uh, yeah. setting all that up, and... I think you can watch it again and again and again and yeah. again and again and again. And again. Bring, anyway, bring the tissues. Yes, that's Trust right. Me. And now uh, I'll throw to one last bit of audio we actually got from, or you two got from the post-match press conference. I was busy unloading boxes, lucky me. Um, and this is from Haley Rasso. We spoke about how good it was to see her back, you know, playing for the Matildas yeah. after her injury, obviously, and scoring. So she also had a really good anecdote about the difference between as Adam was talking about when they played Brazil and to now. So, all right. So let's hear from Haley Rasso. I full one and so I had a really good performance from the side you played well as well. So it was uh, awesome to get the win against Korea today. Um, it's good to get more minutes under my belt too. Yeah, we're just looking forward now. You played plenty of games here for the world. Did you find it a different playing here for the national team? Kind of such a good crowd? Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing playing for the national team here in your home state. Um, having family, friends, uh, just your home base support, it, it's incredible and uh, hopefully we can have more. Were you part of the squad when I last played in 2014? Yeah, I was actually. Do you find the difference between the two teams growing so far? So I much think, yeah, I think we've grown so much and we're bringing so many more fans now. Um, it's incredible to see the difference actually. We've spent so much time with the fans after the game and it's just amazing that they can come out. And looking ahead now, see the World Cup is looming on the rise and you're not looking forward to being a part of that. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's an important few months preparing for it and yeah, my goal is to be there so I'm not like... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so that's Hayley Rasso there after the game. And, um, yeah, I think overall it's like, encouraging from, to see the Matildas actually picking up what will probably yeah. be, by the time we finish recording, three wins from three games at home at the start of the anti-Milicic era. And well, nothing against Alan Stajic, but like they've clearly got themselves a good coach there. It's a good start. And it was a really good tournament, actually. The whole thing's been really good to see different teams come out here. And actually the second game at Suncorp Stadium on, on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon was lit up with a fantastic goal in the, from New Zealand and it was what, at least 35-40 yards Adam? 35-40 yards swerved and dipped around like it was um, it the was and, from the and, it, and it's interesting <laughs> we're talk, talking about viral um, videos one of, our, one of our listeners Tim Walker took um, he, where he sarcastically said shoot and it went in so check that out I think uh, Daily we, Football Show had it? I think Daily Football Show um, our friends at A-League Memes uh, Careful had... plugging memes, page. You might get in trouble for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. It was a really good tournament, though, for this Cup of Nations, the first edition of it. Hopefully we see more of them in, in future years. Yeah, I, I really hope they have it, you know, around the same time next year, because yeah. then I would actually like to go to it instead yeah. of the weekend I had. Yeah, no, we, 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 we enjoyed it. We it was a long day, but now it's a really good day. I'd say it would have been worth it, though, surely. Hmm. All right. Um, 
couple of other uh, updates. Junior Matildas beat Iran 3-0 in their first AFC Under-16 Championship qualifier game. Uh, Raw slash NTC player George Beaumont on the score sheet, so good for her. And they also beat Vietnam 1-0 to qualify for the AFC Under-16 Championships. So, did I Ron Burgundy that? I'd... Was that meant to be too, like a more flowing thing and I just read what was on the run sheet? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> good. Yeah, it seemed good to me. I liked it. Yeah, it's, it's the, summary, the summary of it all is that yeah, two wins is enough to, to get them through to Thailand. Um, and yeah, like it's a, it's a very promising signs. Again, you know, the younger age groups, you know, are, are really starting to show that they're compared with, you know, in, in Asia. Like I said, it's just qualifying for it. They're going to run to much more tougher opposition once they get to the final tournament. But, you know, it's, it's good to see. Perfect. Alright, that's going to be it for segment two. We're going to come back and do our NPL recap and touch on a couple of other news stories that have come out in the last week as well. So we'll be back after this. This is Brisbane Football Review, 100th episode. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, let's get on to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here this evening now as we are treated to a lovely little sunset view out the window of our new studio. And we're going to go into segment three, which was supposed to be segment two, and it's the NPL wrap. So uh, running through these games, Brisbane City 2, Morton Bay United 0, uh, goals from Adam Edgar and Kai Fechner, uh, both after the hour mark. Um, bit of controversy with the first goal though yes it took a good couple of minutes for the goal to be given because the assistant referee had his flag up for offside and it took a good couple of minutes as I said for the referee to confer with the, the assistant and then to give the goal everyone could see it was a goal it just took them a while to figure it out I think we also created a bit of controversy now on, on our um, our coverage. We actually created the goal to Kai Bolton, but we were then advised later on that it was actually Adamika who scored. And I blame those ridiculous gold exactly numbers on the back say. of of C's jersey. They they are hard to they're hard to see at the best times to watch it live. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. And, Keep talking. Oh, sorry, and we had a technical and um, but like I said and it'd be almost dead to impossible to see it on the stream so um, we end up correcting it yeah. yeah those numbers are very very difficult to read so if anyone Bruce would listening to this please change the number colour at least give them an outline or something especially uh, before this weekend if at all possible but more on that later um, Mackay and Whit Sunday Magpies Crusaders Magpies Crusaders yeah, yeah. sorry Vince Rigari got me in that bad habit for, yeah you said you were going to kick that too I know. Well, look, out of all the bad habits, I, I'm not <laughs> kicking. That's probably low on the list. Um, yeah, 4-2 over Southwest Queensland in Toowoomba. So that's a good win for them. And boy, they're off to a good start. They might be one, um, like I said, that may sneak under the radar. I think, think uh, obviously, because being, being sort of the regional team, um, there's not much news, at least down this part, these parts. So they may have slipped under the radar, but uh, they've, they're travelling on quite well at the moment. They're yeah. still undefeated, I believe. So yeah, they are undefeated. Um, they are, have a couple of games in hand. I think they, yeah, they, they could be good quality. They are actually sticking under the radar, as are Gold Coast United. You know, those are the two teams we both we all kind of looked at and thought, where are they going to be at in terms of competitiveness this season? But they've started off really, really well, the pair of them. And Gold Coast cruised to a 4 0 win over Brisbane Strikers. Uh, Lions 3 0 over Eastern Suburbs. I guess Lions might be on their way to being back. Yeah, yeah. that's normal service resume there. Yep. Uh, Gold Coast Knights 2 1 over Sunshine Coast. This Sunshine... was really unfortunate, actually. Yeah, it's a bit, bit cruel on Sunshine Coast, but it's good to see them being a lot more competitive uh, compared to this time last year, where I feel like they were losing by 14 goals. A, ninth, a 91st minute goal from Nick Panetta gave the Gold Coast Knights the win there. I mean, 
they're efficient Gold Coast Knights, but they might not be the greatest team to watch. But we'll see how they go when they play against some of the top teams in a few weeks. But for Sunshine Coast, it's just great to see them really competitive. I mean, you talked about it a couple of years, like this time last year that we were we were at Suncorp looking at our phones, couldn't believe the fact that Western Pride were racking up the goals against them. So the, they have come a long way in 12 months. Yes, yeah, Dylan Wenzel Hall from being talked about at Suncorp to being at Suncorp. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Alright, uh, what else are we... Where are we up to? Uh, Brisbane Raw Youth, nil. Pen Power, three. The first home game for the Raw Youth, and Pen Power, again, showing, you know, maybe they belong in NPL after all. Oh, I think, they, I think they're the real deal. I think, um, look, Raw... Raw were going pretty well uh, this hand on their first loss of the season, and but the way that Power beat them, I think um, they're, they're another level again. So I think uh, everyone sort of, the mail might be right, that they are going to be right in the thick of things at the moment. And um, yeah, look, they're perfect five from five. Uh, they're going to have a big test this weekend, but yeah. um, look, so far so good for um, the Power. They beat Lions, but they play Gold Coast Knights this week, and they play Olympic away in a couple of weeks as well. They'll be the two big tests. That's exactly where Peninsula Power are at. And just thinking back now to that round one win over Lions, like that, the approach of Aaron Philp after the game talking about, you know, this is at like this was just one game. He's, he, I think he's doing a really good job keeping his side focused and saying, like, yeah. there's a lot more to play for than just that. Uh, uh, Foundation Cup yeah. win. I'm sure we talked about last week on the show. They are unbeaten in league play since June of 2016. So Okay, so we actually have a firm yeah. date on that. We've talked yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, it was a game against Grange Thistle who they lost to in the league away from home. And then the week after, they beat them in the FFA Cup, the game that the three of us were at. So That's right, standing yeah. behind the goal with uh, Jordan yeah. in the rain. The only <laughs> games they've lost since then were obviously to Melbourne City in the FFA Cup. And then they lost the Lions last year in the Cup. And I think they might have been beaten by Lions in the last BPL grand final they played in. They were, so, yeah. so they're the only three losses they've had since June of 2016. So they're on a fantastic run. And then uh, Sunday, Olympic just put up a lazy five goals over Redlands United. So good for them. Yeah, we, we actually, I think we lost the over-under in the, um, yes. in the media core sort of tipping on Sunday <laughs> afternoon at uh, Suncorp watching that game. So uh, without being there, it's hard to know whether, you know, whether... Redlands have sort of tightened up a little bit at the back, or whether you know, Olympic it was just it was a stroll, a Sunday stroll for them. Um, but it's still big concerns about Redlands and uh, Olympic. Just keep on rolling on. I will say about Olympic. We've talked a lot about their attacking flair, but they've beaten Western Pride, Southwest Queensland Thunder, and now Redlands. They haven't really faced a top team yet. I think they play Sunshine Coast this week as well, so they haven't really faced a big test yet. To see exactly where they're at, but they look fantastic going forward. Certainly. All right, uh, running through the MPL women's results as well. Pride 7, Southwest Queensland 1, Lions 6, Eastern Suburbs 1, Logan and Capalabar drew 2 all, Moreton Bay 8, Brisbane Roar 2. That was a big uh, result. Gold Coast United and Sunshine Coast uh, Wanderers drew 1-1 and in last night's result, Gap 1-0 over South United and I understand that was actually quite a feisty game. I'm led to believe it was a red card for both teams so both teams finished with 10 and a sole goal gave the gap the win in what will probably be a matchup we'll see at the business end of the season because they're two of the top teams. I think already that the top teams are sort of seeing up like Lions, um, look, Morton Bay, 
that side is absolutely crazy. Alira Toby making her debut for um, for Morton Bay uh, in in this game, scoring a double. So look, they're they're going to be up there, and I think South and in Gap. So I think already the top four are um, really standing out. Already, as far as the defending champions, Brisbane Roar and TC, um, it is a it is a brand new side. We finally actually got to see some squad news, and look, there's only two players uh, playing that played last year in that championship team that actually are in the squad at the moment so it is a brand new side and I think they're going to be a bit behind the eight ball especially against some of these teams because all the a lot of these teams have really you know bought well over the off season all right now uh looking forward to round six of the NPL and uh I've got a whole lot of fixtures Saturday night and if you're all these games of course will be streamed on Football Queensland YouTube so open up as many uh tabs as you can and keep track of all those games and also uh if you're looking for a game to listen to might I suggest Lions hosting uh, Brisbane City at 7pm, where you'll hear myself and Simon Smale on the call. And if you don't want, if you don't want to listen to that, <laughs> you, can, you can watch on Facebook and Twitter. Scott and I will be at uh, Pincher Power for uh, Pincher Power Gold Coast Knights. Yeah, we're terribly excited to listen to your, your second commentary game of the yeah, season. Yeah, no, no, no. Wish, wish you and Simon yeah. well on Saturday night for and, the Super Classic And good luck trying to pick the Brisbane City numbers. At least you'll have Simon next to you who's pretty familiar with Brisbane yeah. City. So Yeah, that's it. I, I'm going to be relying on Simon for that, but I'm obviously looking forward to it. And... Uh, yeah, if everyone yeah. can't get enough of my voice, that's where you'll you find me. You are colorblind too, so this could be really interesting. Oh, oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! 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 Maris are just binoculars. Yeah, I think I might have to look into those. It was a lot of fun doing that first game at Lions, so I'll have to see what this weekend brings. Now, uh, FQPL uh, round one. We'll just run through these scores quickly. Sunshine Coast Wanderers three, Wolves one, Logan two, Palbar nil, Mitchelton five, Holland Park two. Rochelle and South United drew 1-1, and Ipswich beat Southside Eagles 1-0, because I want to get on to the FFA Cup Round 2 qualifiers, talk about a couple of the notable results. Albany Creek 6-1 over Oxley United, Bethania Rams upsetting Gap 3-2, yep. and Bayside uh, beat Teviot yeah. Downs 31-0. That's the result that's got everyone talking, the fact yeah. that Teviot Downs have been beaten heavily, but... I didn't people say, well, maybe we should stop putting Brisbane Premier League teams in this early, but you've only got to look 24 hours later. Bethania Rams, who are Capital League 3, the same league as Teviot Downs, they beat the gap of Brisbane Premier League. So it can be done with the right approach and the right mentality. And I understand Teviot Downs did not play their strongest team in their clash, which probably didn't help them either, but it can be done. Yeah, I tried, to chase, up a bit of, I tried to chase up a little bit of information about Bayside, and what, like, this is all just... Uh, speculation, but it sounds like Bayside didn't play their total full-strength yeah. squad either, and it look, at the end of the day, like we saw it with, to a much smaller extent, yeah. Lions and Pen Power in the Cup last year, where Pen Power, well, Pen Power just couldn't stop Lions, and they just kept scoring. Yeah, look, and it was, yeah, like, so where we at a number of, uh, you know, football events over the, over the weekend, and that was the, the major talk, talking point was this Bayside-Teviot game. My take on it is that, you know, I, I, I like the fact that you now there's a lot of inter, um, inter-zone clashes and that the round two is filled out a lot more. I think it'll be this is a learn by experiencing. I think you know maybe the BPL sides are um, maybe a bit of a step above most because I think that's not, not the only result that was a bit lopsided when it, we're talking about multiple divisions apart. But uh, look, I think, mind you, this is I think is more of an anomaly more than I don't think like you're going to get your eight and nine nil. That's any cup competition in the world you're going to get that. 31-0, it's an outlier. You know, look, there is a case that maybe the BPL team should come in at a later stage, but look, um, 
Yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, the, the, that Tevi Downs is giving the history books for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. Now, they, have, they do replace the result in Mackay with Magpies. Mackay Magpies beating, I think, Mackay Wanderers 26 nil. Yeah. This was before they became an NPL side, so... And, look, I, I, I'm a little bit, I suppose, traditional in the way of if you don't like your opponent scoring, stop them. Yeah. Mm. Of course, it's easy yeah. to say from here, but... And yeah, we were talking about it on Friday night as well. I mean, if... Tevit Downs are still playing to their best capability to try and score goals and stop them. Bayside are well within their rights to to continue to play at their best level as well. So if you want to, if you want to say anything like that, you have to. If but one team is playing well, you have to let both teams play. So yeah, yeah. So I just want just one last point on that is that you know at the end of the day, this is going to happen. You know, we all. I know myself personally. I'm very very critical of the way that the FFA. Uh, at the round of 32, the way they sort of manipulate the draw because they're trying to keep clubs apart and whatnot. Whereas I think we all want an open draw. Sometimes you're going to get these mismatches. Um, so it's pick your poison. Do you want Football Queensland to manipulate draw so you don't get these results and you have a manufactured sort of outcome? Or do we have an open draw and see where it lies? You know, I think that's the choice that you know, fans have got to make. You know, and Yes, no, that's totally fair and I'm on board with that as well. Uh, Kangaroo Point uh, beat Broadbeach on penalties, 5-4 after a 2-2 draw in uh, normal time. Narang uh, went down to Burley on penalties as well, 5-3. Uh, Willowburn, 5-1 over Gatton. Surface Paradise Polo, 6-1 over Kingscliff. Turinga, 2-1 over Wombai. Uh, I'm not going to read all of these. Yeah. We don't need <laughs> It is interesting, though. When you're starting to see some of the inter-division matchups, start to see how different leagues compare to each other. So the um, Kangaroo Point Rovers and Broadbeach one is an interesting one because... That's a Gold Coast Premier League side losing to, I believe, a Capital 2 side. So, yeah. just to see the, the level. I know that the um, the Gold Coast Premier League kicks off later than most leagues, but that's still an interesting result. Mind you, Broadbeach aren't the first team to be uh, full victims of the piney bobble. So, that Raymond Park is a very unique place to play. Certainly. All right. Um, now, we'll touch on a couple of news stories that we didn't get to in segment one, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually meant to be all one big segment anyway. Um, the second division working group meeting takes place soon. Uh, took place last week. Last week, okay. Um, there are plans to get, have it up and running by October 2020, and I want to try and keep this a little bit short, because we've still got uh, another segment to go after this and a game to preview for Friday night, but for me, the big thing about whatever the second division comes, I kind of want it to be somewhat mirroring the structure of the A-League with an eye to eventual promotion and relegation. So have, you know, if you want to have uh, foreign player quotas, put that in, you know, four plus one or whatever. And, you know, maybe you're probably going to have to lower the salary cap a little bit, but that's, yeah. I suppose they're the two things that I want to... Well, if you've got promotion relegation that you have oh, to get... Oh, and transfer fees. I think you have to get rid of the salary cap because I can imagine if there's, if some of the A-League teams are being relegated because of the... And they cannot go out in January and add players because of the salary cap. I can see that being a massive problem. I think you'd have to get rid of that. But I agree. I want the NPL, or the uh, second division, to be a division that starts off at a lesser level but builds up gradually. If it's going to be, say, it's NPL clubs stepping up, let's let them get there slowly. Let's not just throw them in at A-League level and sink or swim. Let's let them build up to that level and then promotion relegation on down the line. But I've seen people suggest universities. I'm not a big fan of that. I would prefer it to be actual clubs as opposed to university things. Yeah, whether it is clubs set up, you know, from scratch yeah. 
or you know maybe just take some of the existing clubs yeah. you've got like for example Brisbane City yeah look that's the thing is that the, the first I think the first challenge there's two challenges to this and it's for mine like while it's 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 nice that they're talking about it um, I know that the um, AAFC are driving this and it's great they're talking about it, but I think there's a couple of key and I'm key points that you know, I think need to be sort of raised on that and I think the first one is where there's an alignment of the seasons as we know all the MPL competitions start you know run you know February slash March to October whereas the A-League runs you know October to May so you can't like, so A you all of a sudden expect clubs to change their seasons you know if if the second division even aligns with the A-League they would have to it, 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 it has to but also as well going on that until we know what the A-League looks like because, like I said, the A-League is going to, be about to go undergo changes, you know, with independence and all that. It's not going to be, like, again, it's almost going to be football, but not as we know it to a point, because... Where have I seen that things... before? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> exactly. No the, back to the future there, but... Because I think a lot of things are going to change as far as the way the A-League is conducted under an independent structure, as, as opposed to being licensed by the FFA. So I think, to, to be honest, I think that until we know what happens to the A-League, it's very, very hard to roadmap what the second division's going to go, but at least they're talking about, which is a positive. Absolutely. All right, now I'm going to put a stop to segment three right here, and we're going to come back and preview this weekend's uh, clash with the Western Sydney Wanderers at Suncorp Stadium. So we're going to get a quick drink and be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. It's the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review, 100th episode. It's James Scott and Adam with you now tonight, or whenever you're listening to it. And we're going to talk about this weekend's uh, A-League clash as Aurora back after a week off. They're taking on Western Sydney Wanderers in the battle for eighth place at Suncorp Stadium Friday, 6.50pm local kickoff time. We hope to see you all there. Or something to that effect, anyway. I think the club would like to see everyone there. Cause <laughs> it's uh, the crowd. The crowd figures are not sort of pretty at the I think moment. The average is just under ten, which all considered is not too bad. Yeah, it, yeah. it could be a lot worse. Now, I remember the 2009-10 crowds were significantly worse than that. So yeah, uh, even the 2010-11 crowds. I remember a Wednesday night game against the Mariners with a grand total of five and a half thousand. Is people. that the game where they did the um, celebration in the corner? Yes, oh, yeah. and I, and I also might have yelled out at Matt Simon calling him a uh, word that I can't repeat you here. You didn't use the words that he used to um, the referee the other day, did you? No, it was something head, and um, <laughs> he, and because the stadium was so empty, he heard me and eyeballed me. <laughs> Because I was sitting right behind the Mariners bench, Matt Simon was asking, "Oh, what does the uh, linesman have to do when it comes to either either an offside call or the ball going out?" Respectfully, no doubt, to Matt Simon. Yeah, well, again, so there was, very he may have had a referee. few, and I might have responded that that's actually his job, Simon. You, yeah. <laughs> I love those empty Suncorp days. Anyway, the Raw, they've had a week off because it's uh, an A-League split round, so we're going to hear what Darren Davies had to say about the week off at his press conference this week. Uh, Darren, I guess, um, how's, the, how's the week sort of been to sort of get, I guess, a few things ironed out and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, really positive, really positive. So we've had a, we've had a good training week slash 10 days, um, worked on some constructive things, and uh, the boys have... Uh, the boys have Boys have worked hard, so uh, looking forward to the game this weekend now, though. Um, and obviously following on from the po- uh, positive performance last time out, so uh, we're looking forward to uh, to Friday night. Thanks to the Raw for that audio as well, and 
Yeah, week off. I suppose now all that really is left for Brisbane is can they play spoiler for a whole bunch of other teams? And look, I think any final chances for these two teams are unrealistic at best. Yeah, it's just, uh, they can't play spoiler this week because the Wanderers are as out of it as they are. But they can move up to finishing in eighth potentially, which would be a good outcome given where they were. But they're actually in some decent form, both these sides. I think the Wanderers picked up a win against Adelaide a couple of weeks ago. Brisbane knocked off Sydney. So these two teams' form are trending upwards with some young players coming into the side. There's a lot for both sets of fans actually to look forward to for the future. So this game might be a better game than you'd think for 8th versus ninth. Well, look, if it's anything like the last time yeah. these two teams met, then we could be in for a treat. And if it's anything like the last time these two teams met, it's your own fault if you leave early. <laughs> You would have thought yeah. Raw fans had learned by now, oh. wouldn't you? No, it's like one of the Marvel movies. You know never to leave when the uh, credits start because you know there's more to come. It's like That's yeah. like when the uh, fourth official holds up the stoppage time board. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not like that um, you need to run for the bus because of the crowds, especially the crowd figures at the moment. But uh, look, um, yeah, both, look, both teams, you're right, are in form. So uh, I think a lot of these games have nothing else to lose. Uh, players playing for their playing for their, their contracts, you know, young players trying to show their wares, it always seems to, you know, to bring out the best in teams, you know, I think more so than if they're in a final spot where it can get a bit cagey and a bit conservative, so, look, I think both teams, you know, going out and, you know, being a bit flamboyant and attacking, I think it could be a good game of football, a bit similar to the wild, wild game of down at uh, Gosford. Well, oh, that please being... replicate that, please replicate that. That would be fun, uh, except, yeah, with the home side winning this time. Although, um, yeah, the other thing I also, you know, I'm really looking forward to from this game is seeing uh, what Marcus Babbel is wearing. I was really offended when he showed up in a tracksuit for the last game. So, come on, Marcus, it's a dress bit cooler up. this time. You might see some winter gear out of him. You never know. Well, uh, it is le- Marcus Babbel. You never know what he's going to come up with. At the very least, a nice linen jacket, I think, is in order. Oh, uh, so I've had a look at the uh, weather forecast. 29 degrees and probably about 65% humidity. So, I don't think the weather, the winter... Uh, Garms will come out just yet for Marcus Bubble. No, we know 29 degrees is uh, Arctic for Brisbane, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So so far we've seen from these sides two 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 draws this season. One in Mudgee in round four, and the other one, of course, uh, in round 14 or whatever it was. Oh, it's a bit more recent than that. But 16? Yeah. I don't know. A, a while ago. Controversy Jan- in both January games. 20, January 25 it was because I know I was. Uh, yeah. I was at the airport going to Europe. So. That's right. We were talking yeah. about we were talking about uh, possibly having customs not leave back in the country. Yeah. <laughs> plenty of drama in both games, to be fair as well. So hopefully, plenty more of that on Friday night. Yeah. So, uh, question is, which players do you want to throw in there, Adam? You would you were kind of interested to see what uh, Ruan Tongi could do after his uh, performance down on Gosford. Yeah. Look, um, he I say he's obviously a player on the rise, uh, getting in get another opportunity perhaps you know as a professional he may be his sort of his last opportunity you know to get you know a decent run of things and um look he, he was very very good in gosford um i think he i think he almost drove matt simon to madness um and look doesn't that's, take that's, much that's, by the way two games for matt simon ridiculous but yeah, let's so be honest let's leave that leave, let's leave that alone uh, that's, that's that's their problem, um, but yeah. Look, uh, look. I think it, again, like like a lot of these players, you know, they've got something to prove. Um, look, I think he'll go well. The interesting thing is who he'll he'll uh, be partnering him. I'm thinking it could be Jacob Pepper again. Cause I would it, imagine it would be. You're going to need a little bit of mobility uh, to, to give them a yeah. bit of cover there. 
Left back, who starts for you? Well, this is interesting because obviously Dane Ingham started at left back in the last game against Central Coast. He's now out injured, so you're down to either Stefan Negro or Isaac Powell. At this point, and you I'm, may need Stephanie Negro to play yeah, right back. You may very well may need him there. So I, well, Daniel Bowles did play at right back the last couple of games. So I know, I'm just I'm yeah. trying to get a discussion yeah. going. Well, but, uh, at this point, I would just say, Isaac, it's time to see if you can play 90 minutes. Or the vast majority thereof, because you're down to the bare bones. And he's, you're right, we talked, you talked about it in second one. He's done really well when he's been in. So I would just say, let's see what he can do from the start. I think, yeah, I, yeah throw him in. If you get if you get 65 minutes of him, great. You know, so there are there are, op, there are flexible options, provided that you don't have a list of injuries again, like that seems to be cursing the raw at the moment. But... Um, yeah, look, I think it's time to let the young fella you know, see what he's got you know, as a starter now. Uh, all right. Um, let's go into predictions for this game now. As I said, there's been two two all draws so far this season, so I do think there's going to be goals here. I would be expecting another four-plus. Um, that being said, I'm actually going to back the Raw to win here. I was about to say the same thing. I'll say the Raw will win the game. That's why I talk first. A high-scoring game, but the Raw will win the game. Yeah, and no, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I think... Look, I think Raw are going well enough. I think they've got confidence. You know, they know they can score goals. They're going to concede a few. I, I reckon, yeah. I, I'm thinking sort of maybe three-two, as far as a, a goal goal prediction, a score prediction, um, in favour of the Raw. Yeah, I think it's going to be an entertaining night. These two always seem to put together something special. And what would not surprise me at all is if Wanderers uh, get out to an early lead and they somehow find a way to blow it again. Because, like, that was the whole theme that I uh, had. Been, I remember reading on Twitter going, you know, this game's not over. The Wanderers will find a way to blow it, even against a 10-man raw side. If it's 2-1 in the 91st minute and Babel has a sub left, will he try and take off Janjetovic, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and will Janjetovic do the Kepa thing from Chelsea, maybe? And say... I'd be, I'd be highly entertained if it happens. Be... <laughs> yeah. All right, so before we wrap up this... I'll... As we've mentioned a couple of times, this is a fairly uh, momentous occasion for us. We've made it through 100 episodes, plus a handful of Friday specials, a few NPL recap shows as well. But this is 100th Brisbane Football Review proper. So maybe we should finish off with a bit of reminiscing, talking about some of our uh, highlights of uh, the past what, two and a half years or so. Yeah, before we do that, we should, everyone who bet the under on 100, unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mum and Dad. <laughs> But yeah, I think, it, yeah, well, I suppose we should also, uh, before we get into that, say thanks everyone for listening, whether you absolutely uh, started off from that very, very awkward and uncomfortable first episode that took me, I think, eight goes to get through the opening line. <laughs> to be fair, it took about three hours to record it, given the amount of times it had to stop, start, stop, start. And then eventually we realised, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. One take now for us. Pretty much, yeah. Unless one of us is about to have an asthma attack, which yeah. is probably going to be me. Anyway, yeah, so Adam... What are your some What are your some of your highlights? Well, I put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I know I'm giving I've got one up. if you want. What a time to think about. Yeah, it. yeah, go. You go. Ahead. Right. When James blew up the studio, you're on. It has to be. We're talking about the soccer. It's probably in a World Cup qualifier, and the whole thing blew up. That's right. I think that they... was when we had the rattling air conditioner in the background. So we either swelter with the aircon off, or we turn it on. And I think we had it off that day trying to preserve the noise and the... No, because it was in the spare room where they yeah. had all the servers and that. And the servers overheated and James blew the whole thing up. No, that was a separate air conditioning unit that didn't work. Anyway. The point is you blew up the studio. That's my highlight. <laughs> How did I know that was going to come up? Adam, have you had time to think of one? <laughs> um, actually, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. Uh, it's sort of so many sort of different sort of occasions. Um... Yeah, look, uh, well, it's, it's just all I said for me. It's been it's been sort of a a wild ride. I think um, 
Look, obviously, one that would probably mean a lot to us, well, not me because I, I was absent, but obviously the interview with uh, Mark Kingsman, I think that will yeah. sort of go down now as well, you know, given what sort of you now what's happened. Um, look, that, that, I think that was a big moment for us as a show. And look, I, I just think that we just, you know, moments occasion, you know, getting, you know, I think also as well being at that that grand that NPL grand final where you know Dylan Wenzel Halls is uh, oh, and if I know that wasn't a show yeah. but I know we uh, the, that yeah, was the crux of that show the next show on the Wednesday yeah. was featuring that and the interviews and whatnot and also that post-match video we did yeah. as well which was basically eight minutes of what the hell just yeah. happened in all seriousness as well the, the show after the Raw won the W League Premiership we got to talk about the club winning a trophy for the first time in our in our show it was that was pretty cool as well yeah definitely and I know I'm actually... Like, this is going to sound a little bit macabre, I suppose, but that show we did back in uh, December, the day John Aloisi resigned, like... Like, the, turning yeah. that around, just going, okay, no, this is actually a pretty big yeah. event. And, you know, we, we hope that eventually we'll uh, have uh, A-League trophies to celebrate as well. We obviously have celebrated the uh, Y-League yeah. and the W-League Premiership. Yep. So... Hopefully there's a little bit more to come. So in the that. fallout show from the Champions League loss. Oh, that was that was awesome. another one that yeah. was that was a lot of fun to record. Like obviously the circumstances surrounding it weren't there, but look, I, anyone who's listened to all of our shows will know some weeks there's not a lot to talk about, so we have to stall and fill and whatnot. But that one we had no dramas. Yeah, yeah no, a few few epic rants that day. So and also and also our World Cup live shows as well. That, yeah, no, that, that, was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was something different, especially being at um, Pick and Whistle. Uh, Pick and Whistle yes. for that. And Lions. I think that's the one show I actually missed. Cause I, yeah, but I we don't count that, that in the tally. Yeah. So okay. yeah, no, actually, yeah, being I don't think that's the biggest crowd we've ever performed in front of that night at the Pick and Whistle. So yeah, well, we could barely move. Yeah, but no, that was a that was a good night, and um, yeah, we should also probably say thanks to everyone we've had, uh, mm. all the guests, you know, Simon, Angela. Vince Rigari, uh, Alex from uh, Queensland Socceroos fans, uh, Dave Perret as well. That was a fun interview after that uh, yeah. Q&A yeah. session, uh, which thankfully wasn't too hostile as yeah. well. Um, Mark Kingsman, obviously. Um, I'm trying to think of the Raw players as well. So we've had Jack Hingett, Corey Brown, Matt Smidocker, Jamie Young. A couple of times, <laughs> Jamie yeah. Young. Yeah, Connor that, O'Toole was on. Yep. Connor O'Toole as well. That was obviously like... And- yeah, we, we've also, had, and also as well, you know, we've had obviously the women as well. Yeah, on, uh, yeah talked to Hayley Razzo, um, yep. Claire Polk, I think you spoke to. No, uh, to, to, to make about Katrina Gorey. Yeah, yep. yeah that, was a lot, that was a lot of fun as well, doing that in the uh, media room at Suncorp Stadium. And it's been a lot of fun. I think we might have to go for 200 now. Oh, I think so. Do you get to 100 first? Yeah, well, <laughs> but, yeah for me. Come on, per, catch up. Come on, what are you doing? Per, per, yeah, the personal milestone, I can get 100 shows personally. Yeah. Be, no, that's just next season. Yeah, so Scott, in recognition of your 100th Uh-oh. episode, well done. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to do something else yeah. then. No, you can, you can close the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so uh, in conclusion of our 100th episode, thank you to everyone who's actually taken the time to listen to us, follow us uh, on the social platforms and whatnot. It's genuinely just a labour of love for us we've um, so what by 200 yeah. we might try and get the Facebook account changed yeah. how about that yeah, the appeals have been lodged it's, it's a work in progress <laughs> but um, yeah like it's been a fantastic journey getting to know you guys obviously yeah. oh, that's uh, one other small thing having you two at my wedding as well that was uh, yes. that was a fun night yeah, no, apologies for anyone expecting NPL updates that, <laughs> that evening but we were, we're we're glad we didn't give them the score line so. <laughs> But yeah, that was obviously that's obviously been a lot of fun as well. Getting uh, yeah. to know you two, and obviously now having you two in my house every week. 
And now you're going to throw us out. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back next week to recap all the A-League, uh, NPL, NPLW, and whatever other stories may come up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Get out and enjoy the football this weekend. We'll talk to you next week.